Good evening and thank you, Merlin. My name's Andrew McElwain. I'm the Managing Director of Investigator Resources. And with me, I have Jason Murray, who's our Exploration Manager. Uh, Investigator Resources uh, primarily has assets based in South Australia, and our primary focus is on our Paris Silver Project. Uh, late last year, we declared to the market the pre-feasibility study results of the uh, work that we've done on Paris to date. We declared, uh, and that was based on an exploration uh, effort that had declared a mineral resource estimate of 53 million ounces of silver. Yeah, Paris is by far the highest grade silver project in Australia. Uh, it sits in a rural environment, uh, quite an arid area, no impediments to development, and uh, it will be conceptually a shallow open pit uh, with a processing so uh, facility on site producing a silver door run. Andrew, thank you very much for the introduction. Uh, Andrew, Jason, nice to meet you both. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to understanding more about your company and more about the project. So um, thank you very much for joining me. So, Thanks, Miller. My pleasure. Andrew, you said that you put out the PFS late last year. Um, could you just actually just kind of take me back a bit and just kind of explain a, a little bit more about the exploration history, about the, how the resources um, kind of developed over the, uh, kind of the previous years and kind of what made you choose to do the PFS at that point? You know, is, is the envelope of mineralization kind of defined? Is, is this the resource that's going to be mined or... or you know, are you still in the exploration phase? So kind of a, a bit of back history would be great. Well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to squeeze all that into 30 minutes, but uh, let me try. Um, and look, one of the benefits of uh, where we sit with the investigator at the moment is Jason's been involved in the project almost from the initial uh, discovery, a little after the initial discovery drilling uh, at in 2011. So Jason and uh, one of our other geologists has um, been through the evolution of uh, Paris since uh, almost early discovery a decade ago. Um, it was Greenfield's discovery and a credit to, uh, to the previous team that had, uh, had tracked that down. Uh, it's undercover, there's no exposure. So, um, you know, great geology, great exploration work to, uh, to unearth or discover Paris. Uh, there's been a number of drill programs at Paris and the initial uh, or the maiden resource was declared in 2013. Um, as uh, viewers and listeners would understand, the vagaries of the silver price over the last decade has been that, uh, that it hasn't been easy to finance um, uh, exploration work on silver project. Um, but when I got involved a couple of years ago, we had the project was at a point where a lot of the preparatory work had been done. There was a plan to complete uh, the PFS but the funding wasn't uh, wasn't available at that stage. Um, when did when did you when did you join? Uh, I got involved. I joined uh, two thousand and nineteen. Okay, and um, we 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 spoke um, in mid twenty twenty. That's right, wasn't it? So, so so kind of as you were doing that finance, so you did a kind of a, a financing mid twenty twenty. That's right. And what we uh, what I initially did was looked at what we needed to take the project for. Um, and uh, we determined that we needed something in the order of sort of three or four million dollars to complete the feasibility, the pre-feasibility work. So we put the plan together and look, fortune favours the brave. The, uh, the silver price started to move in mid 2020 uh, at about the time we was, had spoken. Um, we went to the market to raise some money. Our major shareholder came in behind, uh, was quite supportive in that placement and basically uh, cornerstone that placement. And in August 2020, we raised $8 million. That allowed us to drive forward with the, uh, the uh, drilling on the Paris resource. 
And uh, by June 2021, we uh, had put together the third resource update for Paris. And at that stage, uh, declared a resource of uh, 53 million ounces. Uh, look, I'll, I'll get a little bit wrong on the tonnage, but at around about uh, an 88 gram uh, uh, resource grade. So by, by far the highest grade uh, silver project in Australia, undeveloped silver project in Australia. Um, what it also allowed us to do with that funding was start to uh, look at some of the regional opportunities we have. And when I talk about regional opportunities, and Jason can sort of uh, provide a little bit more detail on this, uh, some of the targets we have are within a five kilometre radius of Paris and logically would add significant value to the Paris project if they bore uh, economic silver mineral mineralisation. Uh, once the mineral resource estimate was, was uh, finalised in June, that underpinned the mine planning and, uh, and evaluation work that we, we financial evaluation work we did. Um, we had also in parallel done some metallurgical test work because part of the historical challenge of the Paris project was uh, a, a reasonable component of the resource presented a relatively challenging metallurgical recovery uh, uh, paradigm. So we spent some time and effort in trying to, and, and, and fortunately, we were able to improve the recoveries of that uh, that domain of the resource. And that was to um, before we get into the metallurgy, can can um, can I? Uh, there's there's so much to unpack already in, in yeah. what you've just been talking about. Um, Jason, perhaps could you kind of give me a, um, a a quick insight into what the geology is at at um, Paris? Yeah, sure, Merlin. Um, yeah, keeping it fairly uh, fairly basic. The um, the deposits actually um, situated pretty much on on the um, an unconformable. Um, boundary between an older package of um, sedimentary units, the units that relate to um, a Hutchison group. Um, the main component of that is a dolomitic basement. Yep. And there's an un paleo-unconformity right above that dolomitic uh, basement and, and the majority yep. of mineralisation sits above that in older Gaula Range volcanics. So um, just north of Paris, there's a, a large, uh, the Gaula Kratom, which is a significant and volu voluminous um, package of vol felsic volcanics. And this yep. is one of the, uh, situated in one of the older phases. So um, it's a breccia hosted deposit. Yep. Um, intensely argillic altered, um, quite a significant amount of silica that's, that's come through as well. Um, and I think most of the mineralisation has really been focused along. There's a, a very preferential structural trend um, through the long axis of the deposit. Um, we can see historic uh, granites that chop through the, the dolomite as well and, and give indication of that. And it's a, a nice sort of brittle host that's that's focused fluids um, through through that area. But um, it's a it's a shallow uh, breccia. It's bounded on either side by um, some uh, faulted sediments and schists on either side. Um, but the breccia itself host itself um, is generally uh, yeah relatively flat lying. Most of the mineralization is Generally around, if I had to put a number on it, about 110 metres uh, thick in the package. So the you know, majority of the, the open pit is uh, is sitting down to the, that sort of level. Um, 
in the southern end, it's it's getting more to 140, but yeah, it's fairly shallow tabular uh, body. Do you, do you have a section you could just pull up? Uh, I've probably got a long, the long I've section. A, I've got a bit of a model of the. It's just um, uh, it, it's I can't get my head around kind of what's the why there. You know, I know you've you, 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 you've you've said that there's kind of structure through it, but you know that the, there will be structure right across this whole area. I'm sure. You know. Um, yeah. So um, just I guess two little section, two sections. I'll go through to a model which is on the the next slide that I'll show you. But um, on the right hand side, you can just see that this is a, a slice longitudinal section through the deposit, um, just showing how relatively shallow and tabular the mineralisation is. That's about thirteen hundred metres in in length from uh, from south to north in that long section. Um, it, it, is, is the function of mineralization coming to the surface? Is that just um, is that just kind of an erosional artifact? So that this, it, this the, the the mineralization was emplaced preferentially into this kind of breccia along the yeah, look, this 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 uncontrollable contact. Close, yeah, we're pretty close to the probably the land surface about the time um, that that things happen. So um, yeah, it's it's quite shallow. It's a you know it's a preserved component of the the Gawler Range volcanics. There are other areas within uh, the tenement where yeah we don't see this window of of older GRV um, preserved. So uh, it's quite unique in that in that uh, fashion. And mineralisation in some components where we're getting um, mineralisation at ten metres below surface. So. Uh, we're uh, we're quite shallow in that respect. Have you, have you got a have you got um, laterites or transported calcretes or? Yeah, look, there's only there's about uh, generally between five and eight meters of a uh, colluvium clay with a little bit of piezoelectric ironstone at the base of it, um, and a uh, a small uh, preserved um, hard pan sort of silcrete horizon. So. Uh, there's the weathering um, component to, to Paris is actually pretty shallow. Um, and then we're into intense argillic alteration. Um, so uh, it's it's been quite a challenging and difficult deposit to drill, uh, particularly in the early days, um, and get a get an understanding from it. Um, and there was a, a significant component of, of diamond core to, so that we could get a, a better understanding of, of just what we were dealing with. So you say it was difficult because it was it was argillized. Um, so the yeah, rock so itself were, was so altered that you couldn't see what the rock was. Is that what you're basically saying? Yeah, yeah. There's so there's being a, a breccia. It's uh, there's a, a lot of it that's yeah completely distracted. So it's almost more more matrix than than class. There are certainly yeah. areas where yeah class are, are preserved. We see class. Uh, the main host is a, a polymictic breccia. So um, it's got class of, of preserved bedrock uh, within it being dolomitic class, um, sediment class. We also see a uh, class of sulphides within it um, and hydrothermal silica that's, that's completely replaced um, textures of, of the original rock within it. So is it a hard, is it a hard rock because of the silicification? 
No, it's so it's 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 um, as so, soft that uh, I've had Andrew up on site and he's left thumbprints in some of the core. So uh, the vast majority of it, from a mining perspective, there's it's going to be pretty much free dig in in a lot of it. So and, uh, and, yeah, and it's a, it's a lead silver system. So I mean, do you see Galena? Is is the silver in Galena or? We the, the main the main silver minerals within the deposit are native silver acanthite. Um, so they form the, the vast majority of silver mineralization. From the lead perspective, yes, there's um, there's galena, um, and uh, we do get a bit of, of coronardite, which is associated with that paleounconformity. The um, the silver can be um, on its own within silica and that probably references some of the, the the metallurgical challenges that we've been working through um but there's also it's 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 intermixed with um lead sulfides um zinc sulfides etc as well so uh, yeah it's a fair so the, 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 the um uh, Andrew mentioned the kind of domains which are metallurgically challenging and domains which weren't and it's it the component which is um so, so it's the component with the sulfides, which is fine, which leaches well. And then uh, how does it comport with the silica? You know, what's the, how does that manifest? Is it occluded? Yeah, so, is it? Yeah, probably the, the, the challenge in that component that um, we're trying to, to liberate is related to the, the fineness, I guess, of the silver sulfides themselves so it's it's quite fine um we don't see we've we've had two instances where we've we've ever seen uh native silver um so we're, we're talking generally 30 microns or less um for a vast percentage of it and and that component that um struggling to to get that um recovery on it's quite often it's fine silver that's associated with the silica so it's coming up with with methods where we can uh liberate that silver what's the answer are you going kind of um, um hpgr or or there's there's still quite a bit that's being uh worked through on that um we've done grind size trials there's been yeah various um other components that have been put into play um so we've had some incremental in, improvements but uh we've got another round of of work to to try and see if we can unlock um, a greater percentage moving forward. And have you got a kind of a rough idea of how much is in these with the sulfides and how much is with the, of the kind of the, the fine with the silica in terms of the, or, or, of the contained silver? Yeah, look, being a, being a breccia, um, it, it is really um, a, a broad mix. Um, there's the ability to, um, to isolate to, particularly sulfide class is, is quite difficult. So, so it's, it's whilst it's hosted in, in sulfides, um, they can vary. Um, when we do have class, in some instances, they're at a metre sort of size, but a lot of it is, is fine disseminations throughout it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult from that, that perspective. Um, to, to what, what, what do you, in, in the PFS, what did you kind of um, use as your recovery um, uh, factors. When you talk about recovery factors, you mean the, over, the metallurgical re recovery yeah. of the mine ore? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It varies from 72% uh, in some areas. There's a small oxide zone in the, in the ore body which 
uh, has very poor recovery. So we uh, at about seven percent of the resource, we actually uh, don't don't expect that we will treat that because of its poor recovery. Um, but the other material uh, ranges between seventy two and eighty five percent recoveries, and we sort of conservatively say that that's about a seventy five percent average recovery. Um, you mentioned before HPGRs. Um, it'll have a relatively conventional front end crushing grinding um, facility. Uh, uh, whilst Jason said there's quite a large proportion of the material we expect to be um, free dig or rip and dig, uh, we're accounting for about 30% of it will require drilling and blasting, and that will be more of the material down towards the dolomitic base of the pit. Um, so we obviously will be set up for the more difficult material to handle, which will be that harder dolomite. But as Jason indicated, some of the uh, rest of the material is quite soft, and, in fact, yeah, you can put your finger into the core. And... Um, argillic clay. Um, so, so you, you'll you'll have kind of um, a large proportion of clay material in the plant. So you'll 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 have to kind of manage the those those physical characteristics of the ore as well, won't you? Sure. And part of the PFS strategy is that we actually um, will mine faster than we will process, and and that was for well, two primary reasons. One is that uh, mining at a, a higher rate means that there's a different equipment fleet comes to would be required and the productivity and efficiencies of that larger fleet for a higher, higher mining tonnage makes a significant change in our mining cost. Um, so we'll actually have quite a large ROM stockpile which will allow us to blend and, uh, and schedule uh, feed to the mill. So uh, we don't end, you're right, with that argillic clay material, there will be some handling challenges but it's not as though we're anticipating having to put in something like a log washer or something at the front end to handle that material. Okay, good. And um, sorry, I, I interrupted you full flow when you were in full flow um, to kind of jump into the geology and, and thank you, Jason. But um, Andrew, could you give me some of the, could you just run through the highlights of the PFS now just so that I can, kind of, um, now that I've got a better understanding of what it is, let's, can we just have a look at kind of what the outputs were for that PFS? Sure. Well, in, in fact, um, some of the headlines were there in uh, the slide that Jason had up. Um, so uh, the the resource that we anticipate mining is um, around about 9 million tonnes that will, at a run of mine grade of 128 grams per tonne, and that produces a little less than 30, uh, 30 million recovered ounces over a six-year mine life. Uh, the, the project's got a relatively uh, modest capex of about $130 million. And uh, with those numbers, uh, we worked our, our PFS on two different numbers. Uh, one was, and we only ever talk about Australian dollar uh, costs because everything we will be yep. doing is domiciled in Australian dollars. And one of the things we anticipate producing is Dore on site that will be refined in Australia. So uh, we won't have concentrate marking and uh, Forex challenges of selling offshore. So, um, so $130 million capex, uh, the MPV of the projects in excess of $200 million, uh, an IRR, pre-tax IRR of uh, over 50%, um, two-year payback. So what was the IRR? Uh, 54%. But probably okay. importantly, just to put in comparison, today's uh, silver price is $33 or a little under $33 Australian. Um, obviously, uh, with some Chinese supply news coming out over the weekend, um, the silver price has come off a little bit. We were up at nearly $35 an ounce last, uh, last week. 
Um, but our all-in sustaining cost that we uh, determined in the PFS was $17.45 Australian. So quite a substantial margin um, between that and prevailing price today of $33. There's, there's a hell of a lot of inflation out there at the moment as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm seeing lots of numbers which are changing, but um, you know, obviously one hopes that the, the margin is maintained with any uh, gain in the silver price. Look, look um, and that's something that we need to and will take into account as we move through the DFS. Um, you know, the, the environment in Australia is becoming more challenging for uh, the labour market. Um, we're still seeing quite quite reasonable steel supply costs and we were targeting our, our steel into the process for predominant process plant to come out of Vietnam. Um, and uh, obviously one of the key inputs for us is in fact uh, diesel fuel. Um, now we have made provision to mitigate that We've, and I point to the screen that sits behind me Merlin in that uh, that's the, if I get out of the way, um, that's the Paris uh, layout and as Jason said about 1.3 kilometres from end to end 800 metres wide um, if you've got a very good imagination you can see the drill lines across that uh, that resource um, it's a it's a very quite an arid environment uh, in the centre of or not quite the centre of um, South Australia so we'll have a, a solar and we're anticipating having a solar a power production on site but as you can appreciate the doesn't shine for the sun doesn't shine for 24 hours a day so we need some diesel backup but so long story is that diesel diesel fuel costs will certainly be a large input and, uh, and uh, something that we need to be very cognizant of um, and look when we jump forward and look try to project what steel and fabrication costs and labor costs are in two years time when we're in production is obviously part of the sensitivity analysis we need to uh, consider the resource of nine million tons that, that you expect is going to be the kind of the mined nine million tons. Um, Jason, is the future work that you're going to be doing on that? Is that um, is that mostly going to be infill work and geotech work that you're going to be uh, any future drilling is going to be um, de-risking that known resource? Um, and what is the potential to expand? You know, what's the exploration potential? outside of that um, 1.3 kilometres by 800 metres? Yeah, look, it's going to be a bit of a combination, uh, Merlin. So there'll be there'll be a component of it that we, we will need to um, improve our, um, our confidence in. Um, there's, there's components of the resource that are still inferred that we can can bring up to, um, to at least indicated uh, classification. Uh, there are still components, um, particularly on the southern end and um, and the the eastern edge, where there's probably potential that we can still still look for uh, additional ounces there. But probably one of the, the the main focuses that we've got is the the near environment exploration environment, and, and we're sort of talking in that sort of five to um, eight kilometre range around Paris. Um, we've had a number of prospects that have been looked at um, historically and um, and I think it, it probably gets back to something that um, Andrew alluded that you know, we have had times when um, the, the silver commodity price has come off and, uh, and, and getting you know, funding for exploration has been difficult in periods. Um, the last two years in particular, um, there's been a real um, focus on on expanding our exploration efforts around Paris and looking for additional resources that can add value to this project, and uh, and that's been a, a big focus of myself and, and the team 
Um, as I said, over the last couple of years, um, we've just finished a uh, approximate 7,000 metre program um, just recently, uh, which is all on targets proximal Paris. Um, so, so working up, up um, work on those. Some of those areas uh, we revisited projects uh, that that we drilled back in 2014, 2015, and uh, and had had sort of moved aside as, as focus shifted in that time. And others are, uh, are new areas that um, really um, we've sort of expanded into once we we gained additional uh, native title heritage clearance over those areas and so so there's there's components of this work that are uh, that have, haven't had any any drilling in the past so uh, it's it's kind of a bit of a an exciting time uh, from that exploration side of things what's in your um, what's in your um toolbox because if you're involved in the in the in the greenfields discovery of this um grassroots success and there's um cover uh what what's your what are the ingredients in your cake in your kind of magic sauce do you kind of it's, yeah. um it's um it, it is a challenging environment a lot of um a lot of australia and particularly south australia is dominated by you know the issues of of exploring undercover um and whilst uh, harris in some ways i think was was relatively um, easy. The soils really gave it away, um, and having mineralisation quite close to surface uh, worked quite well. Um, there are certainly areas um, where that technique hasn't been uh, totally foolproof. We've been trying out a number of new techniques. Uh, the CSIRO have developed an ultra fine um, soil uh, methodology mm -hmm. that we've. Um, rolled out in a number of trials, both within the, the tenement that hosts Paris, but also a number of other tenements just east that, that we hold that are a similar ground, similar rocks, um, and, and have good potential as well for uh, silver, lead, zinc um, and other minerals. So we've, we've um, been rolling out that. Um, there's quite a, quite a bit of magnetic and, and gravity work that's done. Sorry, sorry. Um, does, Paris, does, does it does the ultra fine does it work? I mean, it's um, are you are you, are you pleased yeah, with the results you, you've got from it's, that? It certainly enhances the 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 signature that we're getting. Um, we've also found that the previous technique that that we were using in there were a number of elements that uh, we're finding were were struggling to to pick up um, that sort of signal and that that anomalism. So yeah, we're. With the work we've done so far, we're we're fairly happy with it. Um, the ultimate test is uh, is is finding a, a decent drill hit, and here's hoping. Fingers crossed um, from the slide uh, program. And on the geophysics, um, presumably, if you're kind of in a relatively flat lying environment, what you're looking for is structure, because that the, the, and it yeah. does, does mag does mag pop out in structure. Yeah, look, um, Mag. Um, it, it's quite interesting out there. It's um, it's it's definitely not a, a, a one method solves solves all. Um, the magnetic signature over Paris, um, you'd, you'd be quite hard pressed to identify Paris um, over it, but it certainly does pick up a, a number of um, structural features um, and trends. Um, and some of the uh, you know felsic volcanic dikes related to the GRV that that cut through, so we can certainly pick up quite a bit from the magnetics. We also do a fair bit of gravity as well, so um, that complements the the magnetics as well. Um, 
interestingly, some of the trials around Paris, um, we've got uh, we have got some dikes that uh, don't show up on the the magnetics and and do on the gravity and and vice versa as well. So there's a, a bit of a mixture, but we use the the two of those um, quite intensively. Um, we've recently done a bit of a trial with um, some seismic. The Geoscience Australia did a, um, a large seismic profile, which um, cuts through a number of our tenements out to the east, and and it's actually um, passes just south of of the tenement that, that hosts Paris. But uh, we did a did a um, funded a, a program and got them to to reprocess some consultants to reprocess that assess that data, um, looking at the, the more shallow component um, under two kilometres and see if we can pick up some of the structures and the major structures um, controlling things and get some ideas. And that's that's been really worthwhile, actually, um, both on these tenements to the east, the Uno Morgan's tenements. Um, we've, we've identified some quite different features to what was previously interpreted out in that way. Um, and it's aided our thinking even within the, the Peter Lumbo prospect as well. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think we can augment some of our exploration with a little bit of that work as well in the future. And is it the intersection of the unconformity with the structure that interests you? Can you see the un- unconformity in the seismic? Um, well, can I just uh, maybe just quickly just share a screen to... Uh, yeah, please do. Um, and I've just, sorry, I've just got to go back to the right one, just to provide a little bit of context for what uh, Jason's been talking about. Okay, and uh, if I can pick this up. So uh, this is uh, the magnetic image. Uh, this is the, what we refer to as the Peter Lumbo tenement area through here, um, or the tenement package. Paris sits here with this higher density of historical drilling, the black dots. Um, and this shows a couple of programs that we have planned that uh, Jason will probably explain, well, certainly can explain far better than I, the geophysical uh, image you're seeing here. But just to put it in context, you can see the scale here. This is about 10 kilometres. So uh, this, this tenement package is about 40 kilometres wide. Paris is here, and Jason's been referring to the exploration program that I suppose has really been starved for cash and effort over previous years. But uh, in the last two years, we've been focusing on targets here within five kilometres, five kilometres of Paris. And uh, the yellow dots are a drill program, which we, in fact, finished uh, about two weeks ago. So in the point of view of news flow, we've got uh, plenty of news flow coming this year. And we'll refer to some other tenements in a minute. Um, but uh, we've been chasing tenements here. We call this Paris North, uh, Ajax, uh, Apollo out here. We think it's quite exciting. Uh, this is against the Scholar Range volcanic uh, fault here. Uh, Scholar Range is volcanics. Um, uh, Di- um, just Helen East, Diomedes, and even we've come out here as far away as Ajax, right to the east, and we've drilled some holes out here. So we've had a 27 hole, pro- sorry, uh, much greater, um, 6,700 metres or nearly 7,000 metres of RC drilling. We've just completed here on this tenement. But uh, further to the east, and if I can zoom out a little bit, here's this uh, Peter Lumbo tenement. We have some other ground to the north. But out to the east, we've got a package of tenements here. And Jason referred to this seismic line, which is this line that runs east-west through this tenement package. And we've just drilled uh, 3,500 metres out on these tenements. And it's a uh, very early stage, but uh, quite exciting. And certainly, again, uh, we've used this ultra-fine soil sampling analysis right across the top of this tenement. 
uh, it's a different image, but uh, you would see that this Gawler Range volcanics runs right across the boundary of uh, these tenements through here. But maybe, Jason, you'd like to fill in some details on that. Yeah, so that uh, the, the boundary of the Gawler Range volcanics is, is referred to as the, the UNO fault, and this is you know, the UNO province that we're, we're dealing with. So a lot of the targets that we've been looking at um, with Paris have been quite proximal to that and uh, looking at where major structures and, and the image, as you can see, there's, there's a predominance of um, both northwesterly um, structures and also, also northeasterly structures where they intersect the UNO fault um, is, a, is a key target for us, um, not just on the southern side of the, the UNO fault where we may have uh, some greater exposure of the, the shallow um, Gawler Range volcanics in the Paris kind of setting, but also on the northern side of that, that UNO fault and, and looking at where the Gawler Range volcanics may have um, been a bit of a, a physical trap to mineralisation that uh, has migrated along along these structures and, and possibly pulled at that boundary. So uh, that's that's one of the, the main sort of targets that, that we've been looking at over the last 12 to 18 months. Certainly um, Paris in this setting is not an orphan. Um, the Paris uh, project sits here. There's a Manini Dam project here owned by Terramon, which has a resource declared. And as you can see, it's a, a more lead-dominant resource, but certainly uh, you know, 7 or 8 million tonnes at 5% lead and some silver uh, to the east of us. And um, the the green stars that you put in there, kind of from Bevington and Bevington in the east across a, um, Ajax and 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 the rest, have those all been drilled already this year? And you've got the results to come out on them. Yeah, these are these are all targets that were were drilled over the last couple of months. Um, so there's there's actually a few more between uh, Bevington and higher ground out on on the right hand side. There's a, a number of okay. other targets oh, yes. that were done in that program um so there's about three thousand meters over on those that group of um tenements to the right and then the another seven seven odd thousand at uh within the p lumbo tenement so that's all old news that's getting out um the Menini dam um being yeah dominantly lead zinc there's also a bit of gold around the place so that you will see there's a, another red star south of the mini dam Weed Nana, which is um, Alliance, and they've got a, a gold resource there um, hosted um, in a, a magnetite scarn. So there's a bit of potential for, for gold. We've certainly got a couple of targets around the place as well, um, over in that eastern package in particular. Great. Looking at that well. Thank you. Thank you both very much. Um, could you drop the lovely super? Um, I think... Perhaps in conclusion, um, Andrew, could you can kind of give me a, a can you map out the plan of work for this year? You know what you're what you're trying to achieve during 2022 and um, uh, looking into 2023 a bit. Sure. So um, in relation to Paris, uh, uh, we're marching forward to uh, to start to complete the work needed to declare or complete the DFS or the definitive feasibility study. That's a, a sort of 14 month program which includes geotechnical drilling. Uh, in the Paris uh, resource. And in fact, the, the drill rig, the diamond drill rig is turning up at Paris, uh, well, hopefully tomorrow if it stops raining, but certainly this week. Um, and that will be that. And part of the objective there is that uh, we've taken quite a conservative approach to 
pit wall angles, and we'd like to think with a short pit, short life pit, we'll be able to steepen that up and, and uh, improve the economics of the project. Uh, so geotechnical drilling, we're also, uh, and I mentioned before, it's an arid part of the world, so we have to find a sustainable water source for the project. Um, we have a paleo channel identified and there's been some early work done on sourcing water from that paleo channel, but for the project approvals we need to do, obviously, and, and for our benefit, some drawdown tests, but also need to understand how drawing from that paleo channel will affect uh, regional groundwater sources. So there's a hydrological program that we'll undertake. Um, as Jason mentioned, we, we expect, to, well, not expect, we will go back to uh, further drill within the current uh, resource area of the Paris project, uh, and that's to move some of the material up into an indicated, uh, sorry, from indicated to a measured category uh, in geological confidence. And obviously that then allows us to declare a, uh, a proven reserve. Um, we haven't declared a reserve uh, on the project of, as yet, but that will be a product of the DFS. Um, and, and also, you, you, advanced... you, sorry, you're not expecting the overall mineable tonnage to change. You're just going to get greater confidence around that 9 million tonne figure. Uh, look, I'm an eternal optimist. I'd like to think we pick up some tonnage. So, uh, But uh, that aside, we actually will be doing some additional drilling in the peripheral of the, of the, of the pit. And we do have an area that's been uh, restricted by a uh, native title exclusion zone. It's not a heritage listed, it's not a formally listed area, but it's an area that we've acknowledged might be of significance to the traditional owners. And in fact, we had them out at site last week to discuss uh, what our plans uh, will impact that area and how we might be able to move forward together. So if we're able to get an area, that area cleared, that can also add some additional opportunity for the to enlarge the pit. Um, also, uh, you know, some of the more boring stuff behind the scenes will be further metallurgical test work, um, process plant design and, and, and so on. But one of the key opportunities, and in the numbers that I mentioned before, Merlin, of, the, uh, of all of the uh, financial metrics of the PFS, none of it includes recovery of any of the lead component of the resource. Uh, we have 100,000 tonnes of lead in that, uh, in that resource. And at the moment, what we wanted to do was declare or be able to present a project in its simplest form that was economic. Uh, but as you'd appreciate, we're going to certainly mine and process that material and for the addition of a what we expect to be a relatively simple flotation circuit, we should be able to recover some of the lead. Um, it is a little challenging, the lead recoveries in the past, um, and to try and produce a saleable con concentrate that you could afford to ship any around the world will be a challenge. But we expect we can recover enough lead concentrate that can pay the transport to the Port Pirie smelter, which is only 300 kilometres away from us. So uh, any additional revenue we can glean uh, economically uh, from the lead is going to add to the, to the project value. So the sort of the key headlines are geotechnical work, hydrological work, uh, resource and uh, process plant design, metallurgical uh, work and design. Um, a lot of other things happen behind the scenes, obviously, in that process uh, is regulatory approvals, uh, native title approvals, and certainly uh, engaging with the regional stakeholders. Uh, what's your target for the feasibility study? Are you talking kind of um, Q2 next year? Uh, probably the second half of calendar 2023, yeah. Yeah, H2, okay. Yeah, um, H2. Uh, importantly, um, shorter term, we've got uh, 10,000 metres of drilling that's uh, sitting in the laboratory waiting for analysis. 
Um, you know, the, the turnaround time in laboratories is stretched out from four to six weeks to more like eight to 10 weeks. Um, we do have some of those on, uh, on a sort of a more expedient turnaround, uh, things that we like the look of. So we'll be getting, um, we'll be getting uh, exploration results back over the next three months of both near, near Paris targets and also those UNO project targets out to the east. And um, Jason, have you got um, hopes up for any strongly argillized uh, breccia, polymictic breccia that um, you intersected? Is that the stuff that's being fast tracked? Yeah, well, I'd like, I'd like to, um, I'd, yeah, I'd like to hope that that we're there. We're certainly in the drilling. Um, it's a key thing that, that you you've picked out there. Um, if, if we find argillic alteration. Um, it, it's a key thing, and it's not everywhere that we drilled within that tenement area um, where we do see that. So we've got, and the majority of those prospects, um, if we've done more work on them, yeah, we've, we're seeing that there's evidence of that argillic alteration, and it's showing that we've got you know, hydrothermal, you know, potentially metal-bearing fluids that have passed through. Um, so if, if we're not seeing argillic alteration, then, uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've got concerns. So uh, yeah, that's a that's the key fundamental that that we're looking for. And it, do you discuss between the two of you um, kind of the potential to go back in, in the second half of this year or the back end of this year uh, with additional drill meters um, funding permitting and results well, what are the, being, uh, being encouraging planning? Yeah, we're, de we're definitely yeah, we'll we'll see what the results of these and then refining plans and uh, yeah, and that Andrew will be hearing proposals from me. <laughs> well, the, ever, ever, the ever optimist uh, explorationist, but I suppose Merlin. Uh, one of the things is we uh, we still haven't haven't really uh, tackled all the targets that we we have. Obviously, we picked the be better ones closer by to start with, but we still have some other opportunities we uh, that aren't drill tested. So, one of the things we are doing, and you'd appreciate uh, from everything you hear from the industry, is uh, as mentioned the. The laboratories are, are really um, uh, uh, under the pump, um, but the other challenge is getting drill rig capacity as well. And what we've done between three or four operators in the district is basically uh, uh, we are coordinating our drill schedules to try and keep a drill rig in the district for the year. Um, so it's gone from uh, our 10,000 metre program to one of our neighbours who's got a program. It'll go a little bit further afield to one of the other I'll talk about this sort of collegiate, you know, group that we're trying to keep the rig in the district, and we'll bring it back uh, probably uh, about the middle of the year. Okay, good. Um, well, gentlemen, thank you very much. Um, I've got a much better idea, a much better understanding where you're at and what you are um, aiming to do. So, Merlin, just uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, subject to funding, um, we've got uh, nearly uh, over seven and a half million cash in the bank at the end of last quarter. Um, so that puts us in very good stead to be able to keep our exploration programs running. Um, look, from where we were uh, two years ago when we last spoke, um, you know, we were at a share price of probably 0.8 of a cent and a market cap of under 10 million. Uh, we've subsequently been up to 12 cents post the uh, placement we did in 2020. Uh, we're tracking at about 7 cents and a market cap of 80, $85 million. So, um, you know, the important thing is we've got cash in the bank. Uh, we have enough market credibility and, and capacity to finance this project as we take it forward. But we also have a great uh, exploration portfolio. And look, I haven't even talked about some of the things further afield that we're only just starting to get some soil sampling done on. Good. Congratulations. Well done. Um, oh, thanks very much.
<laughs> and, and look, uh, certainly credit to the team under Jason's tutelage in uh, in South Australia because uh, one of the challenges during uh, 2020 and, and last year was, in fact, uh, the COVID restrictions that we had in operating. So, uh, you know, I only fleetingly got to uh, South Australia to annoy the team every now and then, but uh, the guys there did a great job managing what in 2020 was the largest uh, drill program undertaken in South Australia. Good stuff. Well, um, th thank you very much. And as I said, I've learned a huge amount about your project and uh, I look forward to um, seeing how progress and continues. Certainly look forward to keeping you up to date, Merlin. Thanks for your time. Bye now. Thanks, Merlin.